0: Welcome to the One Life Community Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to follow Jesus in everyday life, and we hope that God uses this message to influence and encourage others to join us on that mission. We're glad you're listening. For more, please visit us online at onelifecc.org. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all take a minute and pray with me. God, I... Our prayer is simple this morning, that you would overwhelm us with your presence so that we are changed from this moment forward. And I also ask, as I always do, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am a little excited this morning, fired up, got a little pep in my step. It's been a good week. Um... Going to spend a little time in the Word today. I want to encourage you and, and also equip you on how to deal with some things in life. And then we're going to have uh, communion. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. Got a testimony from my sister today. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but I, I want to introduce you guys to my best friend. Do we have a, a picture up there? This is, this is my best friend. This is Mike. Um, Man of God is how I would describe him. He walked with me probably through some of the hardest times in my adult life. Can we go through those pictures? Just to, This is his wife and his grandkids. Since this picture was taken, I think there's two more grandkids and another one on the way. And these are his sons, Zach and Elijah. Uh, one of the few times that you're going to see me in LSU colors, in an LSU jersey. This is his grandson, Joe. Uh, We, Sharon and and I, took them to a uh, football game, and this is us at work. We just kind of act silly and all of that. I think, is that the last one? Oh, me and Joe. You can just fly through those, and that's uh, a lot of the family. I I wanted to uh, introduce you guys to to Mike and his family. Um, So three years ago in August, I think it was August 3rd, uh, Missy, his wife, called me at 9.04 9.04 in the morning. I'll never forget. It was a Friday. I took off that day. And Sharon and I were taking my oldest son, Kobe, to get a weed eater. Um, and he was going to uh, do some yard work for a friend. And uh, she called me and she said, Mike has passed out. And they called 911." So I said, okay, I'm on my way to Burke. She called me back, and she said, uh, they're doing CPR, but they got them stable, and they're going to the hospital. And I said, okay, I'm going to meet you at the hospital. And so we fly to the hospital, and we're sitting there, and they come over the intercom, and they, and they say, code blue. Incoming, code blue, and I look at Sharon, And I said, they're talking about Mike. And uh, they get him stabilized. Turned out he had had a massive heart attack. And so that Friday all day, um, we're just up there and never leave the hospital. Saturday, uh, we're waiting for him to come and do tests, and they come and do tests. Sunday morning, um, they come in, and they say that there's no brain activity. I went into the room with him, just me and him. And I grabbed his hand and I prayed with him and I prayed for him. And I I told him, I said, Mike, if you need to go be with Jesus, you can. I got everything on this end. I'll be at Joe's graduation. I'll walk Katie Bug down the aisle. And Missy will be taken care of for the rest of her life. I leave shortly after that. Missy grabs me and she says, We got to go and tell the kids. So we grab the kids and we go into the room with him. And she says, You know that your dad would not want to live like this. And so they make the decision to take him off the machine. I share that story with you because of all the memories that I have of those days in the hospital and of all the things i felt i i remember missy saying to me bron or she said biron they call me biron she said i'm i'm tired of people telling me that i'm strong She said, I'm not strong, and I realize now what had happened is just what Paul says, that God's grace is sufficient and God's strength was made perfect in her weakness, and and that's what was happening. But of all the things I remember, it's after that, and I remember her just walking through the pain and the agony and the hurt and the tragic loss, and she's not just existing, and she didn't fade away. When things like this happen, when there's tragic loss, we can fade away, we can give up, we can quit. She didn't do that. She pressed through and she was firm in her faith and even stronger in her faith. And I think think we need to be prepared for when life happens that we're firm in our faith and we don't dishonor God. This is huge, and that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. I want to prepare us, and and I had planned a sermon, wrote it out that God had given me. It was about sin, and it was about the holiness of God, and we're going to get to that on my next message, but it's interesting how he changed this, and then this week, a friend of mine went through tragic loss. Yesterday, I got a phone call because this city had tragic loss that affected people in this room. And and I'm not just talking about tragic loss, but how do we deal with it when, when our marriage is on the rocks? How do we deal with it when we lose our job? How do we deal with it when everything around us is falling apart? As Christians, there's this, This this false thought that everything is easy and we're not going to struggle, and that's just not the truth. We have to figure out how do we deal with life when life happens. And I'm convinced that the best way to do that is by having a right view of who God is. And the way that we have a right view of who God is is found right here in this word. So if you would, grab your Bibles and go with me to Joshua chapter 1. We've been in this series about stories, and I couldn't possibly over the next few minutes give you the entire story of Joshua's life, but I want to take you through just a little bit of it, and I want us to see God in this story so that we may draw closer to God and that we may be firm in our faith as well. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, or do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Full Transparency. I've preached this chapter one other time in my life, and it was at Mike's funeral. And so it has huge significance to me. Little Old Testament overview, little context of what's going on here. I won't cover everything, but let's just start with the people of Israel enslaved to Egypt. So God has already told Abraham that the the, the people of God would be slaves in a foreign land. They end up in Egypt and God says to Moses, he raises Moses up and he sends him to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go that they may come and serve me. We're all familiar with that. The 10 plagues, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He wanted to keep his slave labor. He didn't want to let him go. So we go through the 10 plagues, many miracles finally Pharaoh lets the people of God go. They come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh has decided he wants to come after and kill them. God does an amazing miracle through Moses. Moses lifts up the staff. Red Sea parts. People of God walk through it. Pharaoh comes through. Water comes down. Boom, it's over. You think that that's how the story ends. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. But no, it doesn't end like that because we're in the story. People are in the story. And there's all kinds of disobedience. There's all kind of sin. There's all kind of moaning and grumbling. As a matter of fact, God says over and over in His Word that these people are a stiff-necked people. So what happens? He leads us through the desert. Us. I'm just putting myself all in this text. He leads the people of God through the desert. It's supposed to be just a journey, but because of their sin and disobedience, turns out being 40 years until all the men of war uh, pass away. And during that time as Moses is leading them, just, just beautiful pictures of God having them build the tabernacle and, and being with his people, providing for his people and giving them everything that they need and, and this promise of leading them to the promised land. And, and there's the scene where the people of Israel are thirsty and they want water and not the first time, but the second time. God tells Moses, I want you to speak to the rock so that water will come out. And Moses is so frustrated with the complaining of the people that he takes his staff and he hits the rock. And this is the reason why Moses is not allowed to enter the promised land. And this is something that's that stuck with me. God says to Moses after that, because you didn't show me as holy to the people, you are not going to enter the promised land. And that, that text gives me pause. Josh. Who preached. Um, last week or the week before. He, he's always says that Matthew chapter 7. Is a text that keeps him up at night. It's, it's where Jesus says. To the disciples. Depart from me I never knew you. He's going to say that to some of those people. Well, What keeps me up at night. Is this, this picture of God. Saying to Moses. Because you didn't show me as holy because that's not the picture that you painted of me you're not going to enter the promised land and I want to pause there for a minute and and just say this is heavy for me for Josh for Ronnie for Logan who have been called with the privilege of leading this body as pastors to know that We will give an account to God for how we shepherd you. This is the reality of the text. The Old Testament is not something that just doesn't apply to us. This is the word of God. But that's what happened there. And because of that, Moses is not allowed to enter the promised land. He's allowed to see it. He dies. And we get to Joshua chapter 1. And listen to this. The first Five words that God says to, to Joshua is, "Moses, my servant is dead." Like they've went through the time of mourning. Joshua is now ordained to lead this rebellious people. And, and, I, and I want to push this because we need to be in his shoes. We need to feel what he felt. This is not just a story that's written down that didn't happen. This is a real person that just lost his mentor, a man that he saw commune with God. A man that he saw lead people. A man that he he loved. A man that, that taught him that he followed and two things happened simultaneously. The man that was teaching him died and at the exact same time he is given this huge responsibility that he is supposed to lead these people into the promised land and God looks at him and you just have to think all of these emotions all of the hurt, the loss, the confusion, the uncertainty of joshua and god looks at him and he says i need you to do two things i need you to be strong and i need you to be courageous how is that possible when everything is falling apart when life has hit you when curveballs are coming when families are breaking finances are falling apart covid has just happened you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel There's all kinds of chaos in your mind. And God says, be strong and courageous. How do you do that? And I'm convinced that there are three epic biblical truths that can help us be strong and courageous. They apply to Joshua and they apply to us today. And the first one is that God's promises are permanent. And I'm not not talking about the conditional blessings of God that we see in Deuteronomy where God says, if you do this, I'll do that. I'm talking about the very nature of God, the promises of God. And this is very important. Look at me in chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised Moses. Now, now think about this for a minute. This is where the relationship between Moses and Joshua is huge. Because God is saying, look, Joshua, I want you to know who I am. I, I know that you're struggling right now. I know that this seems like something that you can't do on your own, and you can't. But I need you to know that I promised Moses that I was going to lead this people into the promised land. And I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm not going to break my promises. I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. This is is a foundational truth for salvation itself. There are a lot of people that struggle with whether or not... Man, I'm about to mess some theology up in here. There are a lot of people that struggle with whether or not they're going to lose their salvation. The question is not whether or not you lose your salvation. The question is whether you're saved in the first place. See, salvation is a promise from God. There's nothing that we can do to make God go back on his word because God is not us. The problem that we have, here's the problem. I'm going to start with me. The problem that I have is that I've lied and broken all of my promises. That's the problem. And so what I do is I equate God. No, I'm not going to let y'all off the hook. Y'all don't lie too. <laughs> y'all break y'all promises too. And so what we do is we equate God with us. And so we assume that God is going to behave in the same way that we do. And that's not how it is. God says to Joshua, look, I said what I was going to do and I'm going to do what I said. This is huge. Wherever you are. To understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word is his bond. First, biblical truth is God's promises are permanent. The second is that God's presence is primary. The most important thing for any believer is the presence of God. This is huge. I mean, think about this. Look at at verse 5. Joshua, God says to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now listen to this. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now we can read this text real fast and kind of gloss over that, but you need to understand everywhere that Moses went, Joshua went. Joshua witnessed everything that Moses did with God. And so when when God says this to Joshua, Joshua would have remembered when Moses was walking out to the tent of meeting to go into the Holy of Holies to have a conversation with God. Joshua would have remembered how Moses was frustrated and upset with the people of God. And and God was right there with him. Joshua would have remembered in Exodus chapter 32... When Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God. And see Joshua was his assistant. So he went halfway and stopped. And God told Moses go back down. I hear corruption. I hear a loud noise in the camp. And he goes back down. And Aaron has created a golden calf. Because the people said this fellow Moses has been gone too long. Make us a God. And so Joshua would have remembered when Moses came back down. And God says I'm going to destroy these people. I'm, 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 Their sin is filthy. I'm getting rid of them. And Moses interceded. Joshua was there. Moses interceded for the people with God. And God says, okay, I'm not going to kill everybody. Exodus chapter 33, God says this to Moses. He said, but here's the deal. I said I was going to lead you to the promised land. God's promises are permanent. He says, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. But here's the deal. My presence will not go with you. He says to Moses, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do, and I'm taking you there, land flowing with milk and honey, it's yours, but you don't get me. I'm not going. And you know what Joshua would have remembered? He would have remembered these words of Exodus 33 where Moses said, God, if you don't go with us, don't take me. Moses said, God, your presence is more important than anything. I don't care where you were going to lead us. If you're not there, I don't want to go. When I was a kid, heaven was described at this place where I wanted four-wheelers and all that stuff. Heaven was described as you get four-wheelers, you get everything you want, you can have it. And that's how it was described to me. Let me tell you something. If Jesus ain't in heaven, I don't want to go. I want to be where he is. Y'all can have heaven. I want Jesus. And Joshua is understanding that God is saying to him, my presence will be with you just like I was with Moses. And my promise to you is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you don't have to worry. I know it's a lot. Listen, I have no idea all of the things that you are dealing with. My brothers and sisters in Christ have no idea the burdens or the weight that you carry. But this is what I do know. I know that Jesus says to come to him all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That doesn't mean that your problems will go away. That doesn't mean that that everything will be perfect. But what it does mean is that while you don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. And Jesus' presence, the very presence of God is primary and it's more than sufficient for you. This is truth of God's word. His promises are permanent. His presence is primary. And here's, here's the beautiful part. His purpose is perfect. I can imagine as Joshua is standing on the edge of the promised land and preparing to lead people into battle, preparing to take on the the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all of these people that are there, I can imagine him thinking God, you knew what was happening. Why didn't you just let Moses do this? Moses is a better leader. Moses knows these people. Moses has been talking and walking with you. Just, it, it doesn't make sense that you would call him home and have me do this. I'm the second in command. Here's the deal. I, I need you to understand this. God knows the beginning from the end. There are things that happen in life and we don't see all of it. We just we see this this picture. I used to tell my troops when I was in the military, they would complain about leadership and commanders and all of that. And I would say, look, this is your view. This is my view. I see a little bit more. This is the commander's view. He sees everything. And so his perspective is a little different from yours. See, God's perspective is different from ours, and we don't need to change his perspective. We need to change ours. His plan and his his purpose is absolutely perfect. It's without flaw. As we walk through tough times in life, and I'm not talking about direct consequences of sin. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when life happens now of course all bad things indirectly go back to the garden but we're talking about when life happens and we ask that question why why is this happening how do I get through this and what we tend to do what we want to do is we begin to say things that shallow things God has a plan for my life yes Everything is going to be absolutely wonderful. Everything is going to be perfect. Everything is going to work out for you. Okay. We can't tell everyone that's dying of cancer that they're going to be healed. We can't tell everyone whose marriage is falling apart that it's going to be put back together. We can't do that. We, we don't know what God is going to do in that situation. But what we can say to our Christians, brothers and sisters, what we can encourage them with is the truth of God's Word. That's what's everlasting that will never fade away. What we can tell them is that God is there and He is not surprised. What we can tell them is that God feels your pain. What we can tell even when it comes to sin and walking in sin, what we can tell them is that there's a man that went to a cross. There's a man that died. There's a man that rose from the dead three days later. There's a man that has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And if you would trust in that man, your future is secure. We can tell them that. That's the gospel. And we have to have a right view of the gospel and a right view